on Tuesday afternoon of Passion Week some 2,000 years ago in the city of Jerusalem. Jesus Christ sat on the Mount of Olives teaching his disciples what it was going to be like when he would return to the earth and establish his kingdom. You know what he said? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Lord. Hi, everybody. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, and I'm so grateful that you would take a moment to join us as we take a look at the book. In just a moment, I'll allow you to listen to a portion of this five-part, five-hour series, audio series, by the way, on CD that is available to you. Remember, Jesus Christ was responding to the disciples' questions Can you give us some signs of the second coming? Now, not the rapture of the church. There are no signs for the rapture, but for the second coming. Let's study together, and then I'll tell you how you can get your own individual copy of this five-part, five-hour series, audio series on CD. Right now, let's listen to a portion of As in the Days of Noah. So having thus said that, let's go to the first part of the study Back in Genesis chapters 4, 5, and 6, and we want to look at the days of Noah and its timeless details that are unfolded for us here in the Word of God. Going back to Genesis now chapter 4, and I understand, and and I do study genealogies. One of my favorite things to do is study genealogies. In my opinion, you can get great information out of the genealogies. Uh, There's some interesting stuff. We'll bring some of that out as we're looking at all of our lessons in this particular series. And I understand that when Cain and Abel came on the scene, the first children of Adam and Eve, as we understand it from the record in the Word of God, that Noah was not alive. I understand that. It was 1,656 years after God created Adam that the flood took place. And so that would subtract 600 from that. That puts it about 1,100 years back after the creation of man. And Adam himself only lived 930 years. So I understand that Adam wasn't alive at this time, nor probably his children either. His first two at least. One of them was killed, and we know the other one, Cain, went wandering off, and and I just would have to check the record, but I don't recall that he was still alive. But everything that started with Cain and what he was involved in and his offspring was going to continue on and intensify as it moved toward the time of the flood, the judgment upon the entire earth. So we study chapter 4 as well to understand. There's so much in chapter 4 And so much in all of these chapters, I'm not going to be able to deal with all of it. I just want to touch the high points possibly, encourage you to start your own study. Somebody said it even to me yesterday. I forget who it was, but it's so, so true, and I've used it often myself. I didn't come here to give you a fish dinner. I came here to teach you how to fish. If I give you a fish dinner, you have one meal. If I can teach you how to fish, you'll have your meals for the rest of your existence. I'm not the prophecy guru. I came here to give you some information that I have gleaned from my study and encourage you to get into your own individual study and come encourage me by giving me information, helping me in our, my study of, of uh, the prophetic word of God, the prophetic scenario laid out in God's precious holy word. We can help each other to grow in this. So I'm going to pass along some information, just so, touch some mountain peaks as we go through here. In chapter 4, what we see 
is Cain's corrupted offspring. And we are going to see that unfold in chapter 4. Now, there's some very interesting things. Notice in chapter 4, verse 1, And Adam knew Eve, in other words, Adam, came together with his wife in a sexual relationship, and she was impregnated. She conceived, and she bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Interesting statement, because you remember in chapter 3, Jesus Christ, I believe it was Jesus who appeared to her. You can't see God and live, the Bible says. You can't see the Holy Spirit, so it had to be one member of the Holy Trinity, the Godhead. And so I believe it was actually a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ who appeared to Adam and Eve there in the garden and said, you're going to have a son in the future. And that son, not necessarily her own son, but down the line someplace there would be a Savior who would come forth, who would deal with Satan. He will bruise Satan, I'm talking about, that son's heel, but the son will destroy his head and finish him off. The ultimate victory, the heel being bruised, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the ultimate victory for Jesus over Satan when he's cast into the lake of fire where he will be punished and burned in the flame for day and night forever and ever and ever. And so now she conceives and she says, this is a son from the Lord. And some commentators even suggested, maybe this is the Messiah that's been born. This is the one that's promised. But the story has to continue to find out that is not actually the truth. Verse 2, and she again bare his brother Abel. And so now we see two boys born. Some have even suggested those were twins. Might I suggest, as we look at this, that maybe those two boys were not twins, but maybe they indeed had twin sisters, each of them, at separate times. Because the age-old question, where did Cain and where did Abel get their wives from? It had to be their sisters. That's the only ones that were in existence. I've read some commentators. I haven't really made a decision. Probably Dr. Wagner could tell you what the absolute truth is. But I am leaning towards the suggestion that maybe Cain had a twin sister. Abel had a twin sister. At some point, they were going to have to have sisters born so they could marry their sisters. It was a pure line at this point in time. This were the first and second and third and fourth probably children born to Adam and Eve. By the way, this was an absolute proof to Eve that indeed she was going to be able to bring forth humankind. You know, she had accepted that by faith, but now it was reality. Now it was tangible proof that this was going to happen. And so she had Cain and she had Abel. Possibly they had twin sisters, each of these men. And Abel was, look at this, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now, immediately, you have to recognize that Cain was involved in the curse that had been given because of the sin in the Garden of Eden. When along comes Satan, and by confusion, brings deception into Adam and Eve and causes them to believe his lie. And the curse was that you'll have to to work with the ground, deal with it. The thistle, the thistles, the, the weeds, all of that is going to be part of your problem. You'll have to deal with the ground with the sweat of your brow from now on. It was part of the curse. 
and was not recognized, but it was part of the curse of uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. Verse 3, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. He was a very religious man. He brings an offering to the Lord. In fact, Cain brings an offering to the Lord before Abel does. He goes out, gathers in some of the harvest, brings the offering unto the Lord. Verse 4, And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. Now, both of them involved in agriculture to some extent, Cain working with the ground, Abel working with animals. It's interesting to note, Abel was following the line that God himself had set in motion. Remember, in order that Adam and Eve might have clothing, what did he do? Sacrificed an animal. The life of an animal was given so that they may be covered. And that was the institution in reality of the sacrificial system that God was going to put in place. And it was his way of worship. It was his way of honoring him. It wasn't the way of the curse. And now both of the boys, wanting to serve the Lord, wanting to worship the Lord, wanting to honor the Lord, brain of the product of their hands. The only thing is, Cain's product, he thought, was much, much better than Abel's because Abel, all he did was have the cattle and he just watched them. They ate themselves, they took care of themselves, he just watched them. What did he have to do for them? He had to work in the ground, he had to till that ground, he had to plant the seed, he had to harvest all the work that I've done. Now look what happens. Verse 4, and Abel brought also of the firstling of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering because that was the way the Lord had set in motion. Verse 5, but unto Cain and unto his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, was angry, was very upset, very indignant at what had happened. And his countenance fell. And you're going to see the result of that. What we're seeing in this exclamation of explanation of what is going on is apostasy coming into play early on. Almost 6,000 years ago. Religious apostasy. Going away from God's way. Going your own way. Endeavoring to say what... I believe is the way that God wants us to do these things. Not doing it God's way. If that is not prevalent in our world today, you're not awake. Check your heart, see if you're still breathing. Because this is rampant across our world. I could stay here. We just got finished with the cruise. Harry talked to us from the book of... uh, 2 Timothy chapters two, uh, chapters 3 and 4, talking about that in chapter 3, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof? How many churches have a form of godliness, are talking about Jesus Christ, but deny the power thereof? From such turn away, Paul told Timothy. In the last days, that's what it's going to be like. Religious apostasy. Doing it my way, not the way God dictates, but the way I believe it should be done. How many uh, 
in Christ, so-called Christianity are involved in that type of process. If you want to know if you get an idea, turn on so-called Christian television. You'll see an absolute tangible evidence of how it is, of those who are moving in their way instead of God's way. Thank you very much for taking a few moments to join us in our study of prophecy. As in the days of Noah is what we've been listening to, you just listened to a portion of this very important five-hour, five-part series, audio series on CD that is available. It helps us to understand the times in which we're living in light of Bible prophecy. If you'd like to get a copy of this five-part, five-hour audio series on CD, call the toll-free number. It's 877-674-3298. Now, that's toll-free from across America. Or you can go to our website, www.prophecytoday.com. Once again, that number, 8Prophecy8, translated into 877-674-3298. Thank you again for joining us. I'm Jimmy DeYoung reminding you Jesus Christ can come at any moment. And having said that, nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up until...